to ask the Lord for his help as we open his word. Our Father, we come before you in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we take a moment to thank you for the remembrance meeting this morning. We could come and remember the person and the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask for your help downstairs, the teachers of the Sunday school classes. We think of how we can learn in your scripture how the Lord Jesus did not want anything coming in between himself and the children. He did not want the children to be hindered from coming unto him. So we're thankful for an environment downstairs that could be facilitated and cultivated to expose children to the word of God. And it's our hope that there'd be some boy or girl that would today trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We now ask for a special blessing up here. Give me help with your word. Help me to treat it uh, reverently and with respect, acknowledging that uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, inspired and breathed out by you. And it speaks into every area of our life. So help me as I seek to uh, give this message and all these things that we would ask, most of all, that Christ would receive honor and glory, that he be magnified and exalted. And we ask for your help, O God, in his name. Amen. Uh, let's turn to Psalm 3, please. be paying attention to verse 5 of the third psalm and verse 8 of the fourth psalm, but we will read the entire third psalm for context. A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom. O Lord, how many are my foes, many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill, Selah. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek, you break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people, Selah. And then verse 8 of the fourth psalm, in peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. For some further context regarding the third psalm, we see that it's entitled, um, When He Fled from Absalom. This account is found in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 15 to 18, and more specifically, uh, verses 13 to 17 
of chapter 15. So this psalm is speaking of something that had happened, uh, happened prior in our Bible. You see that it is a psalm of David. Now this is the first time in the psalms, uh, the first psalm and the second psalm do not say a psalm of David. We know that they were uh, most likely written about David or to David or for David. But here we see this ownership. We see a psalm of David. My main focus is going to be verse 5. I lay down and slept. I awoke again, for the Lord sustained me. And the first phrase of verse 6, I will not be afraid. And then verse 8 of the fourth psalm, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. The third psalm has often been regarded as a morning hymn. And the fourth psalm has often been regarded as an evening hymn. This is what initially gave uh, Mr. Spurgeon his inspiration uh, for his morning and evening devotional that many of us are very, very familiar with. Uh, this third psalm is called a morning psalm because we see the scene of, of David going to sleep and waking up and the confidence and the mercies that he uh, enjoys as he's waking up. In the fourth psalm, we see him going to bed once again. He says, in peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So many of the same themes that are in the fourth psalm are also in the third psalm. Basically, my hope today is to not delve too expositionally into this third psalm, but more just from a devotional point of view, share some meditations and enjoyments that I have uh, enjoyed over the last few weeks as I considered this. Um, We have... We have David who life is basically falling apart around him. Second Samuel would reveal to us um, the nature and the circumstances and situation in David's life uh, that have kind of led to this point where he is penning this psalm. It is, it is a section uh, and these are verses that I've often considered at times in my life where anxiety and fear visited me at the bedside. So always seem to be verses that would first come to my mind when uh, there would be a transition point in my life where there would be a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear, a lot of stress regarding uh, big decisions in my life that were going to have to be made. We have various night scenes throughout the Psalms. We see times in David's life where uh, the wickedness and the evil and things going on around him kept him up during the night. Uh, he would weep, but then joy would come in the morning. We would see other times in the Psalms where, where David would have a very restless night. He wouldn't be able to get to sleep. And that was because he was grieving and mourning over sin that he had committed. And uh, it isn't uh, too far, it isn't that much further along. Uh, the sixth Psalm shows us a case where, where there was going to be no rest had for David because it was necessary and needful that he would spend the night grieving and mourning over sin that he had committed. But here we see a different night scene. We see a scene where there is turmoil turmoil and turbulence in his life, and yet he's able to get a good night's rest. Now what this message isn't, or these thoughts are not, uh, this is not just a five-step program for you to get a better night's sleep. What this is is simply showing you a man who, at this point in his life, it seemed like everything was falling apart around him, and yet he was able to enjoy his Lord he was able to get a good night's sleep. See, the Psalms are very interesting. The Bible as a whole speaks into our life, but 
oftentimes, as we go through the Psalms, we are able at so many points to identify with David. Not that we, not that we subscribe to a replacement or, or covenant theology that would uh, seek to make the promises of Israel the promises of the church. We know that not all the Bible was written uh, to us, but all of the Bible is written for us, and it's all profitable for our learning. But there are principles, and there are circumstances, and there are meditations and things that we can draw from and identify with. When we look at this man, David, and we see very quickly this theme of sleep. The first, the first verse shows us uh, that David is praying to the Lord regarding what he fears. He's not afraid to show us that he's scared. He's not afraid to be honest with God that there are things that are troubling him. Of course, we know that God knows all things, and, and David, of course, knew that God uh, knew everything. And yet, Scripture points to various times where, where we are invited to come before the God who knows all things, come before the God who fashioned us and made us in our mother's wombs, come before the God that knows every single ounce and inch of our life and just be real and honest about the fears and the anxieties in our life that we are going through. So David prays. He says, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. And as you go through the Psalms, you notice very often that it is not physical attacks that people are unleashing upon David. It is not things that people do to David which grieve him, which cause him anxiety. It's the things that people say about him. It's the lies gossip. It's the slandering of a reputation. These are the things that cut to David's heart. These are the things that grieve him. So we see in these first two verses that he is praying, that he is being real, that he's being honest with God. And as Andy pointed out this morning, this concept of being naked before God and not seeking to sow fig leaves, not seeking to sow coverings on ourselves, but just being real being honest with God. But we notice very, very quickly that David does not stay in this place of fear and anxiety. Nor do we see any condemning language from the Holy Spirit that would lead us to believe that David being in a state of fear and anxiety is wrong. The Lord's people experience fear. The Lord's people experience stress. The Lord's people experience anxiety. Sometimes it is a result of, the, of a deficiency in their spiritual life because that's what sin does. Sin causes grieving. Sin causes mourning. Sin causes chaos. And some of the Psalms show us that. There are also times in our life where fear, anxiety, stress is not a result of something that we have done, but is simply the result of living in a fallen, cursed world. And here we see the man, David, the Lord's anointed. He's in a situation in life where he feels like everything is falling apart around him. His life is in danger. And it is, not, uh, it is not upon a bed in a cozy palace or house that he is praying this prayer, that he is uh, penning this psalm. It is most likely in a cave somewhere or out in a field under the starry night sky. So we see him being real with God, but he does not stay there. Immediately in verse 3, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from 
his holy hill. Here in this, these two verses, we see David considering, essentially considering uh, characteristics and realities concerning his God, the true God. We see that the Lord is his protection. We see that the Lord is his boast. We see that the Lord is his encouragement. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. It's David acknowledging that he is protected by God. You are my glory. That is David boasting. That is, when we think of Paul who would say that forbid it God that I should boast save in the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ. So he's my glory, he's my boast. And the lifter of my head, he's my encouragement. We see that David spends this time considering immediately in his anxiety, in his fear, in his stress. He immediately starts to think about attributes and characteristics of his God. We then move into verse 5. We have that pause. We see Selah. So we're to pause and consider. What a wonderful place to see that pause, to see that point of consideration after realities and truths about our God are being declared. Verse 5, I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. So this verse, David acknowledges that the fact that he slept and he woke up was a God-given blessing. Here he acknowledges that Jehovah was watching over him. Can you imagine the fear? Can you imagine the anxiety? Perhaps in an open field with his mighty men, with those who he trusted. At any moment, Absalom and his crew could come up running up on David. His very life was in danger. He did not know if he was going to wake up the next morning. Here we see the man going to bed with fear and anxiety, and yet, in the midst of that fear and anxiety, considering God, he goes to sleep. And he's able to sleep, and he wakes up, and he enjoys this reality. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. Verse 6 then says, I will not be afraid. So we have mourning. We have the mourning scene here. That's why this is called the mourning hymn. And you imagine it? David wakes up. He considers, I went to bed. And I slept through the night. And I woke up, for the Lord sustained me. Can you imagine him rolling off of his mat that he was sleeping on, and strapping on his armor and his belongings, and just telling himself, I will not be afraid. Verse 6 shows us the content of what he could be afraid of. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. This was David's fear. This was David's anxiety. This was a situation that he was dealing with. And I think of times in my own life where I've gone to bed fearful and anxious and stressed, focusing and meditating upon the attributes and characteristics of God, sleeping and having a good night's sleep, waking up, understanding that the only reason I even woke up to begin with is because the Lord sustained me. And being able to start that day simply acknowledging I will not be afraid. This is the peace that God brings. But it doesn't end there. We see that he has considered who God is in verse 3 and 4. And has been sustained by him in verse 5. Verse 6 is the result. 
I will not be afraid. Two things that can bring us peace upon our pillow. And you may have many other things that have helped you in the past during turbulent and trying times in life. These are ones that I've considered very, very precious. These are very simple thoughts. This is nothing new, and it is not to be new. Two very simple things. Number one, considering the characteristics, attributes, and promises of God. Essentially, thinking about who God is. And number two, remembering times past where the Lord has been faithful and sustaining. These two points stand out in this section. This is essentially what David is pointing to. This is essentially why he was able to lay down at night in peace, in rest, in confidence, because he had spent time considering who his God is and considering times in the past where the Lord has been faithful and promises that he had made to David concerning being the Lord's anointed. Isaiah 26 and 3 tells us, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I've always enjoyed whenever Sandy Higgins handles this verse, he likes to translate it a different way. He likes to say, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind stops at you. The man is stopping at God. Well, there are many things he could be thinking about. And there are many things that are no doubt swirling like a vortex around in his mind. But they are not the center of his universe. They are not the things that identify him. In fact, God is the center of his universe and everything else is a planet, as it were, orbiting around that. That's his foundation. That's his basis. And one of the most precious things we can notice from this section is that David simply focuses on who God is and what he has promised. And that was able to instill a peace and a rest that is past all understanding. We have that invitation from the Lord in Matthew 11 and verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So we see that God is inviting his children focus on who he is and what he has promised to them. And because of this, in verse 8 of the fourth chapter, or fourth psalm, David was able to say, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So we see that he lay down and slept. He woke again, for the Lord sustained him. We see that he will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves uh, against me all around. In verse 7, we read, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek, you break the teeth of the wicked. So verse 7, David prays for the Lord to take action. This may be very simple, but this is very, very important. David prays for the Lord to take action. It will be the Lord who carries out the second half of verse 6. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. And there are times in our lives, and there are times in David's life, no doubt, there are times where he was about to do this very thing and was convinced otherwise. He understood that the sword at this point in time was not for him to take. 
if there was going to be any striking of the enemies, if there was going to be any breaking of the teeth, of the wicked's teeth, it was going to be the Lord who takes that action. There are times in our life where things may happen to us where we may be sinned against, and the first inclination is to take up the sword. It is to strike the enemy on the cheek. It is to break the teeth of the wicked. And we would do well to get before our God and enjoy the fact that he is the throne sitter, that he is the righteous judge, and that he will make all things right in his appointed time. And David understood this. I am going to commit this to God. He has promised it. He is faithful. He will make all things right. So it will be the Lord who carries out the second half of verse 7. Verse 8, we read this, this incredible verse. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people, Selah. And we are once again beckoned to sit, meditate, and consider. MacArthur comments that this is a broad, sweeping, all-inclusive deliverance, whether in the temporal realm, where we see David, or the eternal realm, within our salvation. We understand that um, it is God who saves. We understand that uh, those who take the gospel cannot cultivate an anxious thought. They cannot save anybody by altar calls. That, that's wrong theology and doctrine. It's incorrect. But salvation, saving grace, redemption all the benefits and blessings of the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ belong to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do well to remember that. And David here acknowledges that salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Psalm 62 and verse 7 says, In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. So there's this wholesale committing to God. His sustaining, the, the, the retribution, the making of things right, the salvation. David is just pushing all of these things before God and saying, these things belong to you. And all of this results once again in the eighth verse of the next psalm. Once again where we see, in peace I will both lie down and sleep for you alone O Lord make me dwell in safety what state is David going to lie down he's going to lie down in peace he's going to have sleep there's not going to be restlessness there's turbulence there's trials everything around him is falling apart and yet the man sleeps it's incredible he sleeps reason stop there he says for you alone or lord for you alone make me dwell in safety not the mighty men that are around me not my cunning not me setting up watches in the night to make sure that there's no enemy approaching no you alone make me dwell in safety these are very very simple thoughts and nothing i've said is new today it is not a matter of if situations arise in your life where you lay upon your bed at night crying, fearful, scared about what the future holds, stressed, depressed, and anxious. It's not a matter of if that's going to happen. It's simply a matter of when that is going to happen. There are times in our life where it is needful for us to stay up through the night and grieve and mourn over sin that we have committed. 
There are times in our life where we will not have a good night's sleep because uh, we are dealing with the situations and the circumstances of, of, of friends and family in our lives, of, of grieving over evil we see in the world. But there are times in our life where we face trials, where we face tribulations, and yet the Lord is calling us to focus on who He is and what He has promised. And once again, as we have already considered, the keeping of the man in perfect peace, the one who stops his mind at God. Here we see a man, a man who perhaps had gone through more than any of us will ever go through in our entire life, and yet he was able to lay his head down upon the ground, enjoy who his God is, enjoy what his God had promised, and sleep in peace and rest. I hope that you find something precious here concerning this man. The Psalms are so full of points where we can just almost nod our head and be like, yeah, I feel you, man. I know, I hear you. I know what you're going through. And that's the beauty of the Word of God, is God is able to speak into our lives and show us examples of those who have gone before us, who have trusted the Lord and all he has promised to us. May the Lord bless the reading of his Word. And we'll just end with prayer.